going to say at the outstart of this uh, revival week, if you tell me your name, I promise you, I will forget it. <laughs> I cannot remember names. I have a bad, bad memory when it comes to names. And I do have to confess something very quickly. Uh, I pastored at Friendship for 14, going on 15 years there. And there were people in that congregation, I, to this day, I could not remember their name. And he said, well, he does have a bad memory. You have no idea. You have no idea. We're glad to be here. Look forward to the week. Uh, good to be in service with you good people. Um, I do want you to pray for us. I need the prayers of the people of the Lord. And, uh, just an honor and privilege just for me to be here uh, and to be a part of the services and just to do what God has called me to do. A few weeks ago, or a few months ago, rather, I was praying and I said, God, I want to be used by you. And I said, Lord, I don't care where you send me. I don't care what you ask me to do. I want to do it. I just want to work for you, God. I want to honor you. And it wasn't a few days later, the phone started ringing. And God started putting me places that I never would have dreamed that I'd be at. And here I am down here in Dawson County here at the Winds of Peace. All of you know me, I'm a Baptist preacher, and I want to die a Baptist preacher. But if we're all so naive to think that it's just Baptists going to heaven, we have missed the mark. And God has called, can I get an amen on that? Amen. God has called us to preach to all people, all tongues, and all languages. And I appreciate God's word and how it is clarified in my life and how it's helped me. He opens, opened so many doors for me in the past few months, and I'm so thankful. And then I said in my prayer life, I said, God, if you'd open many more doors and let me reach more people than I've ever reached before. And uh, I never would have dreamed what God has done for me in my short little ministry. Uh, I got called to go up to North Carolina and help in a camp meeting up there and had a great time up there uh, preaching in camp meeting with 30 different preachers around the nation as far as ways Maryland, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, the list goes on and on. Met people and Christians I've never met before. It was such a great blessing. Well, my wife has started recording the times I preach. And I don't know how she does it. Brother Tommy, maybe you can tell me how she does it on the internet. And, uh, she puts it on, uh, I think they call it Anchor and Spotify. <laughs> And the other night I was sitting there holding the baby just thumbing through so to see what this is all about. And I looked at it and it had a part on there to show me who the, the people I'm reaching. I had no idea. And 97% of the people that I'm reaching, people I've never seen in my life that they are in the United States, of course. But there's 3% that's reaching into Ethiopia. Another, another uh, 1%, I believe it's in Nigeria, in Germany. And by the means of internet, God has opened doors and I'm reaching more people than I've ever reached before in my life. And I want to give God the glory Praise and give God. him the honor. That is our job, to give him honor and glory. Someone said, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? We're going to honor him. If you don't like singing now, you're not going to like heaven. If you don't like worship now, heaven's not the place for you. It is going to be a place of worship and singing and honoring the Lord. And I believe we ought to do a little bit of it here, don't you? Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of James. James chapter 5. 
very familiar scripture, those of you that have studied your Bible, God has uh, given me a burden to preach from this text. I want to use this text this morning. I've used it before uh, to help in the outstart of the revival. James chapter 5, we'll break in reading about verse number 12 and read down to verse 18. James chapter 5, verse 12, reads like this. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your nay be yea, your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Our Father in heaven, I thank you this morning for allowing me to be back here at the winds of peace to be with your people. I pray, God, that you will bless this revival. I pray for your holy anointing to be here. I pray for your glory power be manifested among us and when we leave this place when the revival doors are shut, that we'll all sit back and say, God, you are so real and so present. God, those that have been backslidden be reclaimed. Those that are lost and undone, I pray they get saved. And God, I pray that your power would reach out in this community and draw people unto Jesus Christ. I pray Holy, the Holy Spirit of God will have free reign here even now, and I submit my life to you and want to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to preach this morning with this thought, the prayer for healing. A prayer for healing. I understand that everybody's uh, idea of healing or how men and women or boys and girls are healed today uh, may be a little different than what the Bible says. Let me say in the outstart of this revival, the Word of God is the standard that every church, every Christian ought to live by. It's not my ideology. It's not the preacher's ideology. The Word of God is what we base our belief system on. If God's Word, God's word says it, we ought to believe it. If it doesn't say it, we have no business believing it. But this morning, I want you to notice that I... I believe that the writer James is uh, finishing this letter, this epistle, and he's finishing up this letter in, in a hurry, maybe. Maybe he's quickly going over so many things that uh, the early church needed to do and that he wanted them to do. In chapter number five, just for a second, he warns the rich about their money. And then uh, in verse number seven there, eight and nine, he warns about the Lord coming and that those that uh, the Lord, uh, as prior to the Lord coming, people are going to suffer affliction. 
I want you to notice in verse number 12, notice what he says there. He says, but above all, the, all things, my brethren, swear not. <laughs> I want to stop for just a minute and say this. Uh, have you ever said a bad word? Have you ever swore today? Don't you look up here at me today and act like you've never done wrong. <laughs> you've never said anything you ought not say. I remember the first time I ever said a bad word as far as I could. Yes, the preacher said one. I was just a young boy, about my daughter's age, about eight years old, maybe a little younger than that. And there was a neighbor in the community that had yard chickens. And I was, it was completely innocent. And the, it was the spring of the year, Brother Tommy, that there was uh, baby chicks running around the yard. And there was the mama hen, and uh, she was leading them through the yard. And I was watching, I was amazed by all those baby chicks. And I wanted to hold one of those baby chickens so that I couldn't stand it. And I thought, well, I better not. That mama might get mean and flog me. And those of you that don't know what flog means, she's going to get you. And uh, I was minding my business. And I watched about eight or ten little babies jump the log. And the little one in the very end of the line, they couldn't jump across the log. And it let out a little chirp, a little holler. I said, oh, my heart broke. I said, it's lost its family. I need to go help that baby. And I went to that little baby, and there I was, innocent, completely innocent. That little baby, I went and run up to it and tried to grab it up and scoop it up. And when it did, it let out a little sound I've never heard before. And I looked up, and here come Mama. And I saw the Mama flying through the air, and I brought the baby. I ran as fast as I could away from that thing. And for the first time in my life, I said a word that I never, never, never had said in my life before. I said, it was innocent. I promise you, I heard it from somebody else. But in fear, it just popped out. You can laugh and you can poke fun all you want to today, church. But I want to say this. Our words tell where our heart is. What we say and what we do. Saying cuss words. If we've got a problem with swearing, cursing, using the Lord's name in vain at the outstart of this revival, quit it. Don't say it. You know, God expects us to speak with kindness, with love and graciousness. And I want you to understand today, our mouth will always tell where our heart is. When we speak words of unkindness, hatefulness, and anger, it's telling on us. And when trouble comes in our life, we need a healing of our mouth because our heart is not right with God when we say things we ought not to say. I know right now some of you can think back in just the, few, the past few days, the past few weeks, you've said things in your mouth, out of your mouth that you cannot take back. I want to say maybe there's some healing that needs to take place in your heart here today. I remember this many years ago. The story came to me as I first started the ministry. And there was a man in our church that I grew up in at Wahoo. And uh, his, uh, the old preacher's name was Preacher Sulnitz. And he never had any children. He was a great man of God, a man of prayer. Man that loved to pray. He loved the Lord. And every night, every evening, he would go out to his prayer grounds in a little pine thicket. And he called one of the young preachers of the church and he was pastoring that. He said, Preacher, I want you to come with me to my prayer grounds. He said, Bring me a flashlight. We may be there a while. Walked in there to the preacher's house. Walked to the, the place where he went to pray. It was daylight and the sun was setting just a, as they walked 
walking with thinking. He said that old man of God, according to the testimony of this young preacher, the old man of God bowed his head, turned his uh, uh, flashlight off because they was in a dark thinking. And he turned the flashlight off and he got down his hands and his knees before God in heaven, locked hold of the horns of the altar, and he began to pray. He said that man prayed for a while and he got done praying. The young preacher did. And the old man was still praying. He looked over. He said it was dark by then. He said, but you know something happened when that man broke contact uh, from this world to another world. And it began like, uh, I mean, he, he knew that he was in contact with God in heaven. He said, I don't care if nobody believes me or not. He said, I saw it with my own eyes. He said, the lights were off. No flashlight was on. I looked at that man of God as he was praying. He said, the power of God was being poured out on him. He said, it's like there was a lie in that thicket there. Now, someone said, I don't believe that. I believe that. I believe that God's word declares there is a light to the child of God that's genuinely saved. And this man of God, as he prayed, as he got finished praying, the young preacher in fear, seeing the man of God, anointing of God on him. Uh, he said, I wanted what he had. Listen to me, church. Listen. If we're going to have revival, it's got to be seasoned with prayer. Amen. I'm not talking about just praying, oh Lord, lay me down to sleep. Pray my soul with those little childlike prayers. I'm talking about the kind of praying that locks hold of the altar of God and you don't let go until God in heaven reaches down and blesses you in a way that you know that God is hearing your prayers. Amen. Has anybody ever hear uh, pray prayers that God has heard? I mean, there's been times in my life when I needed God and I needed Him right then. And listen, God has heard some of my prayers. Just for instance, one time, I needed some money to pay some debts. It was exactly $10,000 that I needed. I didn't know uh, where I was going to get the money. And I prayed and I went out to my prayer grounds and begged God. I said, God, I've got a need. You've called me to ministry, uh, but I don't have the money. And listen, two or three days went by and somebody walked to my house. And i tell you the guy's name that did it. Uh, he tried to walk to my house and in tears. He said, Preacher, I've got something I've got to give you. You know how much money it was? $10,000 to the penny. God heard my prayer. You know, God, you know, right now, I prayed in the early part of my ministry, Brother Anthony. I said, God, I need your help. I need you to help me. I don't have money to go. I don't know what to do. But God, I want to go for you. Did you know I asked him, said, God, I didn't even have a suit to wear when I started in the ministry. You know how much money I spent on suits and ties in my ministry? Zero dollars. I've got a closet full of them. Not one time have I paid for a suit or a tie. God has clothed me. And God has taken care of me. God has blessed this man. And I'll tell you this, the dividends of prayer, it pays off. God will honor this revival if God's people will pray. Amen. Amen. You'll notice this, that the writer James was writing about the kind of prayer that, that makes dividends here. Notice this. He says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The kind of praying that we need around our churches today is the kind of praying that comes from righteous saved people. I'm not saying self-righteous people. 
Oh, friend, aren't you glad today that there's not a booth we go to and confess to some priest and tell him our sins? No, sir, we go to God on bending knee. God already knows our problems. He already knows our sins. And we're the number one to confess our sins before him. Listen to me. There will be no revival unless God's people look deep in their heart, deep in their soul, and see where sin lies. If there's something in your heart right now, listen to me, church, that is keeping you from being in contact with heaven, get rid of it, confess it, and stay away from it. Amen. Amen. They tell me this, that in Japan, now that oh, we've got cell phones now, everything goes through satellite. But before the satellite and the cell phones came about, all the landlines would run from island to island in Japan. They said this and over there that they have such big spiders over there and they build such big webs that they actually can float through the air on the air on the winds and uh, on the waves of the ocean. And every buoy that's out there that has a telephone line that goes all the way across the ocean from one island to the next, they have men actually hired to clean the spider webs off the lines just so they won't break contact. And some of us here today have spider webs between us and God here, right here in the heaven. And we need to get the spider webs cleaned out. I mean, it's a job. I mean, some of it's not fun work. And by the way, it's dirty work looking at the sin that we've committed in our life. Listen to me, church, dear Christian. If there's a sin in your life that you're dabbling in, God will not bless you with revival until you confess it, walk away from it, mortify it, cut it off, and get rid of it. Of it, amen. Get rid of that sin. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Amen. Some of you right now say, oh, I want revival. I want it. It takes people that's willing to pray for healing in their own lives. Amen. A few years ago, we had revival when I was pastoring. And I prayed for revival for years. I said, oh, God, we need revival. I was in my study late one night and there I was, uh, uh, taking God's word and just reading it and begging God for a message. And it was uh, uh, the winter time and it was in January. I'll never forget this. I bowed my head and I was literally just bowed my head where I was at in my study. I didn't get on my knees, but I'd been studying and reading. It was just me and God. And I said, God, we need revival. Our church needs it. Uh, we need revival. Now, just simple, humble prayer. And I've, I've never thought nothing about it. About 10 or 15 minutes went by by the time my phone rang. And, uh, and it was my brother on the other end. And he was hollering and screaming. And I said, Les, what is wrong? What's the matter? He said, oh, it's terrible. Uh, there's been an accident over here on the side of the road. Uh, there's been one where uh, uh, church members killed a young lady and her sister's being life-flighted right now. He said, please pray, please pray. And I said, oh, God, is this how we're going to have to get revival? And it wasn't, but just a few days went by, and the revival was planned there at Friendship where we was at, and God stepped in there. And uh, about Thursday night of the first week of the revival, people were coming, they were mourning over the death of that teenager. I watched the kids, I mean teenagers, they, uh, they would just weep and cry to the service. And I'd say, God, we've done something wrong here. We shouldn't be running this revival with everybody upset. And all of a sudden, there was a, at the end of the service, an old preacher said, Preacher, God's fixing to do something. 
And I said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Run it one more night. And we did. And the next night, there was about ten souls that got saved. And then the next night, on a Saturday night, some more got saved. By the end of two weeks of running revival, there was 38 souls professed to be saved at the Friendship Baptist Church. It moved up into the high school at Lumpkin County High School. And the kids took charge of the service. The superintendent said, you can't do anything, preacher. You can't preach you're not allowed to preach here. I said, that's fine. Uh, God's with us and if you're going to be against us, I'd hate to be in your shoes is what I told him. And I thought, kids got up there, sang a few songs, they opened God's Word, held a devotional, they read God's Word and all the altar filled up in that podium there. That we don't know how many got saved that night. I'm telling you, real revival comes when God's people begin to pray. Church gather around and pray for them. 
but they are still alive today. Amen. Have you ever seen that today? I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've seen the miracles of God happen. But if I had the gift of healing, I'd clean every hospital out. And these guys out here today saying they've got the power to heal. I need to understand that when that which is perfect is come. Talking about the Word of God. When the, the Old the New Testament time the Scripture was closed and that last book was written, we have the Word of God, the very Word of God before us, and we have the ability to see folks healed by prayer. Amen. And some of you right now, you're seeing your family. Maybe they need some healing bodily. Uh, friend, don't stop praying. Uh, maybe uh, your finances need healing. Get to praying. Uh, maybe uh, if your soul's in trouble. Listen, I believe a lot of Christians today, uh, their souls are vexed with a filthy conversation of the wicked. Lot was a, a, a godly man, a saved man. Right here, all the way down in Sodom and Gomorrah, his soul was Specs with everything going on around him today. I don't know about you, but every now and again, my soul gets specs just turning on the news, looking at everything. Amen today. Looking at everything coming and going. We need God to heal us, even in our souls as a Christian. That's what revival's for. Are you listening to me today, church? We need a prayer for healing. Notice this. He says well, there that the effectual one that takes effect, a fervent prayer, one that's seasoned with fire, one that's seasoned with desire. You know, God's tired of us just mumbling around and saying, God, you got But one that really lets God know that we mean business. There's been a few times in my life God has heard this man's prayer. Those of you who don't know, we adopted, adopted my little boy there, Eli. <coughs> Newborn, he's just an extra blessing, all right? My daughter's an extra blessing, but adopted that little booger right there. Tried to have uh, uh, kids for a long time and couldn't, but then we come along and uh, one day I was walking through my house. And I said, Lord, I want a family. I want kids. God spoke to my heart. I mean, just literally, just, I mean, it wasn't a loud local voice, a vocal voice, but God spoke to my soul and my inner being. He said, there's a little boy that's leaving the home. Wasn't even born yet. <laughs> I said, God, I don't have the money to adopt. I was living in Cleveland at that time. We sat in our house and real estate was sluggish at that time and we sat on a house that I'd built for four years listed with four different agents and nobody could sell that terrible house. Brand new house. Nobody could sell it for four years. And you know what happened after that fourth year? God was doing something. God put on our heart to adopt. I didn't have the money, didn't have it. And last I said, let the next real estate agent, and when it comes off contract, I'm going to sell it myself. I'm going to put it in the Gainesville Times, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, I'm going to try to sell it myself. <laughs> you know what I did? I did that. In five days, I sold my house without a real estate commission. I got it off. But you know, every penny that I made off that was enough to pay for that little boy's adoption. Every red cent went that we made off that went for that little boy right there. Eli Fuller is in my home. He's my family 
to me, friend. Church, when's the last time you prayed for your children? When's the last time you prayed for healing of that wayward child that's out in sin? When was the last time you shed tears for that spouse that's out in sin? When's the last time you got on your hands and knees before God and poured your heart out to the Lord and said, God, I, I know I'm not worthy to call out on you, but I've got to need only carry this today. God is merciful. He's long-suffering. He'll hear the prayers of His people. Just get busy praying. Amen. The greatest gift we have other than the Word of God is the means of prayer. I tell you, it's the greatest arsenal in battle is prayer. I'm coming to close. Did you know this? We are right now in eternity. We're living in time where our times are governed right now by time God's ordained that. But you're an eternal being right now when God created you as a triune being. You've got a body. You've got a soul. You've got a spirit. God being a trinity. God Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. We're created in His likeness and in His image. And right now we are part of eternity whether we like it or not. If you're living and breathing right now, you're an eternal being. You're going to live in eternity somewhere, someplace for all eternity. Yeah. And when God saved us, He gives us the call to prayer. He said, I would then have all men to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And I want to say this today with the best advice I can give any young Christian is start praying when you're young. Make a habit to pray when you're young and learn to get in contact with God in heaven. Don't break fellowship with Him. And if you do, confess your faults before Him and stay in constant contact with Him. Right now, listen to me. I've got a Father sitting on the throne yonder in heaven. There's God the Son sitting right beside Him. And God's Holy Spirit indwells me right now. And when I have a need or a petition, God's Holy Spirit looks at God the Son and God the Son looks over at God the Father and He says, that's my child. He's seasoned with the Holy Spirit of God. He has a need down there. And God the Father looks over at God the Son and gives Him the Word and He dispatches an angel all the way down to earth there and He gives the need of that, need that person. He may not do it on my time clock, may not do it on your time clock, but God the Father offers that protects that gift all the way down from heaven because he nods and says it's okay. And I want to say the prayer life that you have right now is a gift from God in heaven. If I lose contact with every single one of you, so be it. But never let me lose contact with God yonder in heaven. Amen. Thank God for prayer. There's been Ruby Grindle was her name. Maybe y'all know Esther and Ruby Grindle. 
was in the military in World War II. He was a great man. Ruby is known as being a praying lady. They were shipped over there, the soldiers were, and she got word that he was MIA missing in action. They wrote him off his bed. Ruby said, my husband's not dead. She said, I don't care how many letters you come and deliver to my house, my husband is not dead. Her family tried to console her and said, no, he's gone. You'll never go see him. It's time to move on. She goes, he's not dead. She said, Ruby, how do you know? She said, every morning and every night, she'd go out to a little prayer ground and she would pray. Seek God's face on behalf of her husband in war. She said she'd go pray every day, every morning, every night. And she said, I'd go pray. And she said, they gave me a letter. I said, I don't need this letter. My husband's alive. He may be hurt, but he's alive somewhere. I said, Ruby, how do you know that? According to her own testimony, she said, I know he's alive because God in heaven has still given me liberty to pray for him. If he was dead, there'd be no need to pray. And she said, I know for a fact he's alive. I don't know where he's at, but he's coming home safe because God is hearing my prayer. One day she got the call. She said, uh, on the other end of the line was the military. She said, Miss Ruby Grindle, we have found your husband. She said, I told you, I told you he was alive. He was alive. God has given me the ability to pray for him and has not allowed me to stop. And I want to say, that's the kind of praying I want to be. I want to be able to pray so good with God that when trouble comes and everybody's against me, that I know that God still hears my prayers. Amen. Don't you want that? today. Amen. I may be the world's biggest flock on preaching. But let, me, let it never be said that I'm the world's biggest flock on praying. You know what makes a good preacher? is one that prays. Alright now, listen to the church. When's the last time you prayed? I'm not talking about just saying, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. I'm talking about being genuinely Earnest in your prayer. I'm closing right here. Don't throw rocks at me for what I'm about to say. I want you to do <laughs> We need a healing in our nation. You know, right now we are facing, like Bruce said, we are in the most exciting times that the world's ever known. Biblically, hey, the king of the ages is getting ready to come. He's fixing Come. He's going to write for this church out here. But you know what we're seeing right now? This nation is in trouble. There's a black cloud of darkness over this entire nation. Don't get mad at me now. You can throw rocks at me after service, but hear me. Hear me. When that which is called evil is called right, there's something wrong in America. When that which is right is called evil, there's something wrong. When we listen, when we allow sin to be broadcasted and on our televisions and radio and internet, and people applaud that and love that, but yet they will not turn on their radio or broadcast to hear a preacher or a message preached or a songwriter, a songwriter sing, there's something wrong. 
When our children are being aborted before, listen, they're being aborted and they don't even have a choice to live. When they're being, listen, they're being born, laid out on the table and saying that, oh, they're just, they're nothing. We'll take their, there's something wrong. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. There is something wrong with America. We need a healing in America. These churches he talked about in Europe, a man like Spurgeon, Feeney, and Moody, uh, that lived here and there, they said Charles Spurgeon said this, pastored over 6,000 people at one time. It is recorded that in every single seat in that auditorium, someone has been saved in that church. 6,000. And now today, you go over there, there's nobody going to their churches. America and the nations are in trouble. And I tell you, the only hope for America is not a new leader, a new president, a new congress, a new senator. The only hope that we have today is God's people get on their knees again and pray and seek God, confess their sin, and let God be God and serve Him for the rest of our days. Amen. There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Wouldn't be if I have a mama praying, a daddy praying, children praying. And I tell you, when we push prayer aside and we lose contact with God in heaven, you know why so much sins in America? Because we've quit praying and we've allowed it. Are you listening? You know, Dr. Oliver B. Green in Greenville, South Carolina said this in his biography when he gave his testimony. One of the greatest evangelists that ever come to America. He was a moonshiner, a drunk. Before he got saved. He said you know what the worst thing. That bothered him. When he was lost. And doing his mischief. You know what bothered him more than anything. He said it wasn't the preacher. He said he could spit in the pre preacher's face. And didn't bat an eye. It wasn't the church that bothered him. He said it, they didn't bother me. He said as far as he can some There's all a bunch of hypocrites anyway. He said it wasn't the revivals. That bothered him. He said when he would wake up early in the morning, laying drunk a teenager in his bed, his mama and his sister would be at the foot of his bed. And he'd wake up in the middle of the night and his mama was praying for him. He said, I got away from the church. I got away from the preacher. I got away from all my friends and family. But he said, the prayers of my mama haunted me the rest of my days. He said, I, I could not get away from mama praying. Where's our mother's praying today? He said, you know what literally drove him to the cross? Was his mama's voice as she prayed for him to get saved. We need prayer for healing in America. <laughs> I've preached you quiet. Now listen to me. I've got my audience's attention. I've got you captivated. Listen to me. If you want revival, I don't have it. This preacher doesn't have it. That preacher doesn't have it. But it must be prayed down. Are you listening? When's the last time you prayed? I'm not talking about just coming up here and just saying a few words. I'm talking about praying until the glory comes. And you're saturated with the power and glory of God in your soul. That when you get up from there, you know God in heaven has just heard your prayer. Are you listening? He's heard your prayer. And he may not have answered your prayer. But as long as you know that he's heard that prayer, 
That's all that matters. It's on his time clock to answer. Wow. I want to be so close to God. Are you listening now? I'm closing. I know you don't believe me, but I'm done. <laughs> I want to be so close to God in my prayer life that when I heard, and I just let out a little cry, the good shepherd runs to me in his little lamb. And without me ever saying a word, God knows my heart, and he's made intercession for me. He pours a little oil on my head and says, there, there, sir. And he holds me, puts me back with the flock. I want to be so close to God that when I cry, he hears. And I don't have to go through a bunch of mess of confessing to get back right with God. Wow. Are you here today and you really want revival? You can talk about it, play about it all you want to. I have seen revival. I've been in some great revival. I'm talking about with the glory and power of God. I'm talking about that light. One night in the revival, there was, a, there was 500 people there in that little church that finished. There was such a glow on the church that you could turn the lights off. They'd still be light on the house. That's revival. I have witnessed it, and I want more of it. I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. And listen, once you get a taste of it, you want more of it. You can't help but want it. You can't help but desire it. And listen, when God has been in your life like he's been in this man's life, you just want to be in the presence of God. Wherever he's working, I want to be a part of it. Yes. Amen. Friend, do you want that today? Young and old alike. Can I give an invitation? Is that I want us to come to Israel. And now, right now, for just a minute, I'm doing business now. Some of you have never really prayed like you want to pray. You said the sinner's prayers, God saved you, He saved you. But you've not really prayed until the glory You can have it. But you've got to pay the price for it. If we're going to see healing of our minds, of our bodies, our souls, and our nation, we're going to have to pay it on. I appreciate your effort here today. Thank you. You know, freedom's not free. And your freedom in Christ is not free. Would you place off the freedom Christ paid for your sins on Calvary. You are free because of Jesus. By His stripes, we are healed. Are you listening? And because we're saved, you have every right to approach God in heaven. You say, I can't pray. Just start. Just start asking. Start talking to Him. You say, oh, I'm not pressed good enough. God don't care about your pressed good enough. You know how many prayers God has answered when He laid in the bed at 3 o'clock in the morning? Laying there in the world, be quiet, me doing business with God, just laying in the bed. You can pray. You have the right to pray. Mothers and dads, when's the last time you have prayed a prayer of healing on your family, on your kids, a hedge of protection? For your kids or your spouse. When was the last time you have done that? It's your right. It's 